Hi, everyone. I'm Tom Jenkins, Fire Chief with the City of Rogers, Arkansas, and the IASC President in 2017 to 2018. And I'm Sheldon Gilbert, former Fire Chief of the Alameda County, California Fire Department, now Chief Executive Officer of Emergency Services Consulting International, or as we like to go by, ESCI. And this is the iChiefs Podcast. If you're searching for new ideas, looking to improve your leadership skills, and wanting to make a difference within your organization, this is the podcast for you. We encourage you to join us as we engage with fire service leaders who discuss the challenges and opportunities facing you and your agency. Well, welcome to the latest episode of the iChiefs podcast series. I'm your co-host, Tom Jenkins. I'm joined, of course, by my friend Sheldon Gilbert, and we're, we're handling kind of a different topic today that a lot of times we talk about um, innovative things, we talk about technology, we talk about um, a lot of attributes of the fire service that fire service leaders in particular need to have some background on or need to hear some discussion about, and I think today's topic could not be more appropriate for the environment that fire chiefs have to lead in today. Today we're discussing how a fire chief handles the fallout and the attention given to personnel matters and incidents that no matter how small they may seem or how simple they may appear to solve that go nuclear. Recently, the Oklahoma City Fire Department experienced just an incident like this in which a child was transported by a fire department engine company due to the delay of an ambulance that was trying to get there to transport the child. While we're not here to dive into that incident itself, what unfolded after the incident has become public and I think it has lessons for fire chiefs in departments big and small. Sheldon, tell us who we're visiting with today. All right, sounds good, Tom. Thank you. And uh, we're privileged to be joined today by uh, Chief Richard Kelly, who is the fire chief from the Oklahoma City Fire Department. Um, he did a wonderful job managing this type of a gray area incident, and uh, he's been a member of that department since 1991. And talk about an individual that knows every uh, nook and cranny of his department. He, he held every rank up the ladder from sergeant uh, all the way to Deputy Chief of Support Services as well as Deputy Chief of Operations. He's the former leader of Oklahoma Task Force One and an adjunct instructor for Eastern Oklahoma County uh, Volunteer Tech Fire Academy. So we're honored to have you here with us today, Chief Kelly, and, and I know that uh, you had a lot of things that you learned, and I think we as the fire service leaders can learn from you as to how you handled this. And so when you talk about having these delicate situations with plenty of gray area, uh, what do you think caused this incident to garner such attention? What, what caused it to go big? Well, first off, uh, Chief Gilbert, Chief Jenkins, thanks for having me on today. And when you really dive into these types of incidents, there's so many uh, nuances that you're dealing with. But when, you, when you're dealing with an incident that involves um, any type of personnel matters, the challenge you have is, just like you said, the gray area, those those type of incidents that you can't talk about, you can't get in detail upon. And we pride ourselves in the fire service of being very transparent, very open. Uh, you can come to us at any time and, and we'll sit down and, and go over anything. And, and I think the challenge that you have in these type of incidents is you're dealing with your personnel. You're dealing with personnel in your department. Um, and there's so much that you're trying to work through on that 
And and I think when you look at this incident, so what caused this to garner so much attention, we we have to go back and really look and see where we were coming from. We were dealing uh, within about eight months dealing with COVID. Many may not remember, but really when you look at when COVID, when COVID kind of came forward, it actually kind of the focal point was March 11, 2020. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder was playing the Utah Jazz, and then the, right before the game started, they stopped the game and, and started to realize there were some issues. Um, at that point, they had to evacuate the arena. They had to get everyone out, the, out of the arena. What actually happened was uh, one of the Utah Jazz players had tested positive for COVID. That started, obviously, within the fire service and especially within our organization, eight months of everyday work dealing with COVID. When the middle of that, not only did it have an effect on the fire service, it had an effect on our response agency. In In the city of Oklahoma City, we have 37 fire stations. We're advanced life support fire stations. But we have a third party transport agency that we work very well with. We're a system integration where we have the same protocols. So we work very well together. But during that time frame, they were having some extreme challenges of maintaining staff and and being ahead of the curve. Uh, It came to a head on December 1st of 2020, where they actually, at that point, uh, IMSA is the trust within the city. They had to make a separation with the contract provider, which is AMR. So during that time frame, they had some issues with response. So this started coming to a head of response times where we were seeing long term uh, prolonged scene times where fire was on scene for a prolonged period of time. So that started to really press this issue. So we started seeing that coming forward. The media started looking into that issue. As they were diving into that issue, it just happened to be the perfect storm where we had this incident that took place. And and when you think about why did this uh, garner so, so much attention, well, I think we all fully understand in the in the fire service when we're doing and being involved in the media, especially the social media aspects, incidents that garner a lot of attention will always be children and animals. And this happened to involve a child. And we all take that very serious. It, it's heartfelt. Um, so it really was one of those that I think at the time, especially where our country was, what we were going through in mid-January of 2021, this was something that really hit people and it really, uh, you know, struck a chord. No, and absolutely. It was almost like a perfect storm. And I, I forgot how much <laughs> – I'm embarrassed to say that, but I, I, I just forgot how where we were at politically as a country, um, you know, such a divisive time, January um, – and more importantly, you have the the way to COVID, and so I, I think all those factors coming together. I'm I'm glad you brought them up. That's something I hadn't really considered regarding this incident, and it and it seemed to me as a, as it you know unfolded. And I remember texting you, and and when it first happened, it seemed to me that you kind of had to handle information and 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 heat from kind of two different fronts. You had the traditional TV and print media, but then you started getting a lot of interaction on the social media front. You know, a lot of these are fire service colleagues um, who run, 
you know various derivatives of you know fire service related news or information or whatever and 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 so I'm curious you know, that, you know when you're getting attacked and and you have this inquisition from two fronts and you still get, have to actually deal with the issue and the problem internally to the department how did you how, I mean talk to us about the experience of having to balance all that as fire service leaders we fully understand that we have to be involved with the, the media we have to be involved in our community we have to be uh, informative and and when you're dealing with the media they have a job to do as well and I think we have to put ourselves in their shoes and recognize what they're trying to do when you go through the process of this we tried to tackle the the fronts in two different areas a two-pronged attack and, and in the, on the media front the traditional TV media front it was very challenging because when you look at from their perspective they're going to tell the story the way they're wanting to tell the story. So many times we don't steer that. Um, we try to be very open and transparent in, in all situations. The challenge when you're dealing with personnel issues, we're limited in that approach. So we have to really be sensitive in those areas. So we, on the on the traditional TV front, we tried to be as informative as, it, as we could. We tried to provide as much information, um, and, and so that was a challenge. So we really tackled the social media front. And on the social media front, we uh, it did garner a lot of attention, not just local or statewide, but national. We would get emails, uh, social media uh, uh, messaging, I mean, 10, 20, 30 times a day, and it was very challenging, but what we what we decided as a command staff and what we decided working together was we're going to tackle this and answer each and every one that reached out to us. Um, we focused on that. We would actually reach out to them. If they would take a phone call, we would actually call them. We really focused in that area of we need to be involved because we're not used to this in the fire service. If we look at our law enforcement partners, they're used to dealing with these type of situations. We are used to dealing with a typical fire ground situation or our, our scenario or incident situation where our PIO gets up, they tell the information, we're very informative, they ask some questions relating to the incident, we go on down the road. These type of uh, situations, you're dealing with an investigation type of uh, report and so there's a lot more detail. They really drill down. They're really trying to ask questions. And as fire service leaders, that's something we're not used to. So what we have to do is reach out to your law enforcement partners. They deal with that, unfortunately, almost on a daily basis. So that's something we had to look at is really talking to our law enforcement partners, trying to get some information from them. How do we work through this? And there was a lot in, involved in that. We also made a, uh, a focus that anytime someone would call our office, we would take their phone call. We spent a lot of time, and I have to really give kudos to my command staff, especially the Deputy Chief of Operations and our Public Relations and Marketing Chief. We would take phone calls. We would spend time with them. We would try to explain uh, the situation. So we really spent a lot of time of, of really more at the grassroots level. We had recognized early on that we probably was not going to be able to, in the print media or in the uh, actual media outlets, probably not going to be able to garner any ground or be able to move this uh, in, in the direction we would like for it to go. We were open to them when they wanted to talk to us, but we, we knew we weren't going to change many minds at that level. So our focus is primarily on the social media. 
When you look at uh, the other part that was asked about colleagues, that was very challenging because when you re I'm I'm a I feel I'm a student of the game. I try to get into magazines and you know different uh, articles and try to read and learn and know what's going on within the fire service. What I found that was very challenging getting on websites and blogs. What I've seen a lot of times it was just uh, reposting of what was going on in the media, what the things that were happening. It really wasn't. Uh, people doing their research and understanding what's going on. And I challenge myself. I've learned from this. I challenge anybody that's a leader within the fire service, and we know leaders in the fire service are at all levels. It's not rank dependent. Is when you see situations that happen that catch your eye and, and question that, is you really need to dive in and learn from it and try to look at it not a perspective of what they did wrong, but how would you do this within your organization? Because I think so many times, I hate to say this, in the fire service, we eat our own. We're, we're so ready to jump on and tell everybody how they did this wrong, how they should have handled it. People may not think that, well, my state is different or my city is different. How they do things are different. Uh, no one probably even looked and understood that uh, at our department, we're our collective bargaining state. So we have a very strong relationship, a uh, labor management relationship, and we have a finite process that we have to follow, and we have to go through and look at everything in detail before we make decisions. I don't have the right just to come in and, and let someone go. I have to give them due process. So it's very detailed on what you go through. So it was very challenging that I felt like no one was really, at your colleagues nationally, no one's reaching out and saying, hey, what really happened here? What, what took place? You know, how do we look at this from a perspective of being informed? And I, I recognize I wouldn't be able to give out a lot of information, but I think you could have cleared that up to understand um, what really took place there. So that's what I would challenge all of us as fire service leaders is we need to look at these incidents and learn from them. But we also don't need to judge. We need to look at it and say, how would I handle this? Or what are some perspectives from this that we can take back to our organization and learn from? That is priceless. That is super important, Chief. And thank you for sharing that because uh, one thing the fire service has an abundance of, especially leadership, is opinions. And sometimes when we go off with partial data points, it's not necessarily helpful or um, good for the department or the industry to, to move forward without having all the facts and doing it in a manner, like you said, where we want to learn and we want to observe and we want to be better prepared should we have to deal with something like that in our own jurisdiction. So that's those are good words. Um, so this was a complex incident. You had many different ecosystems. You had your own department and internal stuff going on. You had the national media. You had social media. And then you had the, your fire service colleagues all, um, you know, playing a role in, in, in what the, what was being said and how this was being viewed. Um, so how did you put a strategy together from the onset to, to manage this? Did you bring everybody together? Did this kind of develop on the run? Uh, did you look and reach out for some help that somebody else had an operational plan on how to do this? What, what was your strategy up front, and how did you put this together so that you could manage all the different things you talked about so you're responsive but at the same time honoring the process? Well, Chief, I would like to say that, you know, I would I would love to say we were ahead of the curve and we were in front of it, but there were some things that we were reactionary on and we had to learn from. I would like to say that we're very fortunate within our organization that we have an incredible public relations and marketing chief. 
Um, he does a fantastic job, and he has he actually has an assistant and a uh, also a digital media producer that helps them. So we're very fortunate. They're very involved in the community, very involved with the media. They do an outstanding job of what we call building our brand here and within our organization. So we have a great relationship with the media. We have a great relationship in our community. So those are things that we all recognize. We talk about when we, uh, as firefighters, we always say we need to pre-plan. We need to be prepared. We need to be out in front. Uh, and I think that when you're dip, talking about how do we deal with incidents like this is we have to do that up front. We have to be prepared. We have to be involved in our community. We have to have great relationships with the media. We have to have great relationships in our community and doing that. So we were doing that very well. Um, when this actually uh, obviously started to come to fruition, uh, there was a, definitely some challenges there. We were uh, kind of caught off guard. As, uh, as we say, it's not something that we're used to of uh, uh, speaking out of what's going on within your organization. Um, I know that we all have personnel matters that come to the forefront on different areas, but not something that you see that garners this type of attention. And we always say the new cycle is short. Well, we have to be uh, realist and understand that there is more to this that it can come back. This was, story was actually ran three times within our community. So it wasn't one of those that this life cycle was short. It continued in the process. So when we started, uh, asked some great questions, what was our strategy? When we started looking at this, we started talking with other leaders within the fire service. I'm very fortunate. I have a great command staff that has connections. We were not afraid. We reached out to uh, to producers of um media outlets. We reached out to other fire service uh, leaders nationally. Um, I reached out to my law enforcement colleagues. I wanted, we need, knew we needed to look at all areas of how do you, how can we manage that? And we always um, have to rely on the wisdom, or we should rely on the wisdom of others. Unfortunately, um, collectively, when you bring people um, from different resources, that you have that opportunity to really get some good information to to set a course of action. So we did that, and we sat down and said, "Okay, what do we need to do here? How do we how do we handle this?" And our primary focus when we got through this, and we took a we took a little bit of time. We actually had one weekend on a Friday. We just sat down and said, "You know what? We're not going to make any decision till Monday morning." So we we went through that weekend and spent a lot of time reflecting and going through our processes. And our first action point that we said is we have to deal with this internally. We've got to deal with our personnel. We've got to make sure they're they're solid. We've got to make sure they're informed. We've got to let them know that we still care for them at all levels. So we wanted to focus internally because when this started, it, it was it kind of came at me. And uh, I had a fire service leader that taught me years ago, and he he, he was very good at this. He always said, you know, as a leader or any firefighter, you have to have thick skin but a tender heart. So I, I realized that I had to deal with this as a fire service uh, leader, a fire chief, that there are things that are going to come at you, and it's your responsibility. Where I started uh, really taking this personal was when they started attacking our organization and the great work our men and women do every day. So I knew at that point I needed to check in internally. So we really built a robust plan to inform internally, and we actually utilized that and said that is going to be our game plan. We're going to grassroots this. We're going to deal with it internally. 
we'll let our people get involved. They can that way we're a force multiplier. We have a thousand firefighters. If everyone's on our on our side, that can speak to this in a formative way. So that was our focus. Uh, we looked at it from that perspective. We also came up with a game plan where we set some um, different thoughts in motion, and we came up with a a couple ideas. We came up with a a one-week game plan that we were looking at, and that was what we wanted to do within one week. And we sat down and we came up with how we were going to do that, and that was our internal focus. Um, We were going to um, review everything, make sure everyone that was uh, within the organization was fully informed to the level that we could, the transparency that we could. So we we did that, and and we also... In that one week, we wanted to meet with some well-respected uh, national publication our, uh, authors to really get options. Uh, so we did that, and that was our one-week game plan, and that was called our inward focus game plan. And then we had a one-month game plan after that, and that was our image building. And we, we wanted to really externally focus on – we do that every day, but we wanted to drive that to an even higher level. And we, we, we went through that process, and we started really focusing on building the image and continuing to be positive external uh, in how we dealt with our, with our outward-facing partners. And, and then we came up with a six-month game plan, and that was reinvesting, reinvesting within our EMS program, reinvesting in our quality assurance, reinvesting in our transparency and how we do that, um, how looking at our discipline process, we didn't. We wanted to see: Are we doing this right? Or is there things that we could learn from? Um, so we really um, came up with that plan of how we would deal with that, and that was kind of from the from I would wouldn't say from the onset because onset because that caught us off guard a little bit, but that was the process we built as we were moving through this and maneuvering through the minutia of that. Well, you said a lot of things that really impressed me. First of all, I think you should do a class at FRI sometime called "We Eat Our Own." Uh, that would—that's that, the title of it, and I think you could—you definitely have uh, enough battle scars now that you could add a pretty uh, a lot of content there. And I, I think it's important for our listeners to understand that now this this stuff can happen to anybody. That. Everybody's one decision away, one phone call away from having something that goes nuclear. Whether it should or not is up for debate. But at o- in Oklahoma City, which you have mentioned, you have a talented staff, and you have people who invested on the front end with relationships with media outlets that had the communication and connectivity to prevent you know, misinformation from getting out, and, and you manage your brand very well. And it still happened. It still went nuclear. So knowing that every fire department or public agency, for that matter, is going to face some scrutiny and controversy that's like this, where you, you have all these battles going on, and you've got to deal with whatever you have to deal with, I, I, I'd ask you to look back on your experience here. And, and I acknowledge you had a lot of things going for you that were already in place and that you had nurtured during your tenure as fire chief. And I want you to look at that and take inventory of that. And for our listeners that maybe that don't have that brand management or don't have those connections or have not, for whatever reason, been able to establish relationships that allow them to navigate problems like this, what what guidance, what advice, what tips would you give those chiefs to consider now ahead of whatever problem comes their way? 
what's interesting, I was reflecting on this, and, and uh, one thing it really came back to is my medical background, and, and uh, it came back to this one analogy, and it was A&O times four, alert and oriented times four. And the four different things I'm looking at on being alert and oriented is, number one, what's the internal climate? So in understanding this one, the internal climate, we had a situation on December 24th, we lost a firefighter to COVID. Um, we had been battling this all year, and it come to a uh, that pivot point, and that was that was tough. I mean, we had so many internal challenges. We'd had to institute a, a emergency staffing plan where personnel weren't getting all their days off. We were wearing masks at the fire stations. We were, you know, we were doing what we thought we needed to do to protect our employees, and that's first and foremost the most important thing we need to do. But that 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 was tough. Um, and then three days later, we lost one of our IT staff to COVID. So within three days, we lost two incredible people within our organization. So in that being alert and oriented, you need to be constantly aware of what's the internal climate. And we also know that during this time frame, we're dealing with political issues. We're dealing with all these things that are going on nationwide. So you've got to be alert to that. You got to be alert to the external climate. Everything that I just spoke about is going on, and what the challenge we have over this last year that we've seen. I always say the fire station, the firehouse, is the environment that our personnel can go to, and even if they're having a tough personal life, it seems that that's a way to get away from it, to to go to work and really dive into your work. And you know, I know that may not be healthy all the time. But I don't know of anybody that never felt like going to the fire station was was a safe place. It was a great place to be. Well, when you have all of this stuff going on, we'd ask them to not eat together. They were wearing masks. You know, shift change was totally different. Those things that were important to them were different. So those external, the external climate affected the internal climate. So you have to be alert to both of those which the third one, so the first is internal climate, the second is external climate, the third one's our morale. And I know that those are kind of synonymous, they're very close in, in what we're dealing with, but sometimes the, you have to evaluate, not, not sometimes, all the time, you have to evaluate a little bit different because the internal and external climate may not affect the morale, but in this situation, it was affecting the morale. People were stressed, they were, you know, doing the job every day, our call volume had started to really climb and increase. So you got to be aware of that as well. And then what is the culture within your organization? You know, what, what, um, what have you been doing for years? How do, they, how do we treat each other? How do we take care of things? How do we deal with situations? What's your relationship with different organizations? And, and that was something that we have to look at. I know some people like to use SWOT analysis and different things to look at that. But I can tell you from learning in this situation, as a leader, and this is at all levels, you've got to look at that A&O times four. Where are we at? Where is the internal climate? What is the external climate? What's the morale of the troops? Where are they at? And then what is our overall culture, and how does that affect all of that that we're looking at? And I think when I look back and I see what we were going through, um, that was some I wish I would could say I was in, in tune with each and every one of those. I wasn't. 
And I, I think that's why, as a fire service leader, those are four things that we constantly need to evaluate so we know exactly what's going on. And to be prepared, if something happens in that in those situations when everything is askew and, you know, we're, we're only alert and oriented times one, you know, we've got to look at that. So we really – that's an analogy for me from an EMS standpoint that I can really wrap my head around and understand. You've given a lot of uh, good nuggets here today, Chief. So that's that's great. I like that, and I uh, I can't help but think you were. I just had had a conversation with uh, your predecessor, uh, Chief Bryant, and he yes, had sir. he had talked about leading with a heart. So when you said uh, you got to have thick skin but a tender heart, I couldn't help but wonder is that a is that a Keithism or is that something that came from somewhere else? That is my mentor, Keith Bryantism. So, and it's perfect. No kidding. Okay. Well, at least he's consistent when he talks to people. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, we've too. been uh, we've, we've been visiting with Fire Chief Richard Kelly of the Oklahoma City Fire Department. Uh, almost uh, your four-year anniversary as chief there, so congratulations, Chief, with uh, co- uh, completing four years and having a few uh, battle scars now from that experience. We appreciate you joining us today. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you've been listening to what was one of our better podcasts, I think, talking about something that's applicable to really all fire chiefs and wonderful advice from uh, Chief Kelly and his organization and their experience. Please join us again next month for our next episode where we'll be talking with Fire Chief Richard Carrizo, who also serves on the FirstNet board. And we're talking about FirstNet from the perspective of the anniversary of September the 11th, 2001. So it'll be a fascinating podcast. We'll look forward to you joining us again then. Chief, thanks again for uh, being with us and sharing your time and your experience. And thanks to our listeners. Remember to like us and follow us and share with colleagues that this is a good place to come for good information for fire service leaders. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this iChiefs podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or Spotify, where you can subscribe and be sure to never miss a show. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate you rating us on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next month.